Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Andy Arnott and Amy Weiss. And this is Seller Roundtable number 16. And we are super excited to have Michael Brown with us today. Welcome, Michael. And thank you so much for being with us. Well, thank you for having me. Today, we're talking tariffs. So this should be a good one. Uh, lots of fun. And uh, as usual, as we're doing this live, if you guys can drop any questions in the chat, we will try to field them. And uh, we get to start with a little technical difficulties today, but that's always uh, a good time. So uh, yeah, Michael, do you want to tell us uh, more about yourself, uh, what you do, all that uh, fun stuff? Just kind of a quick intro, maybe a little bit of your background. Yeah, sure. Uh, we are uh, Brownstone International, and I am the uh, owner and president of Brownstone International. We are located in Portland, Oregon, and in Seattle, Washington. Uh, we have two locations. We are a full logistics uh, service provider. That means we're a customs brokerage freight forwarder, uh, warehouse, and trucking company, uh, which makes us a little unique. We own and operate our own equipment, our own trucks and drivers, from uh, pallet size shipments to 40-foot uh, ocean containers. And uh, I've been in the, uh, the industry since 1989. I've been in the Port of Portland since then. And uh, my, my background is actually customs brokerage. I'm a licensed customs broker. Uh, with, uh, you know, heavy knowledge in freight forwarding and uh, uh, logistics in general. Cool. Interesting. So I, I'm pretty excited because uh, I'm definitely uh, wanting to know more. And I'm sure everybody here is kind of on the same page where, you know, all this stuff's pretty ambiguous right now. It's kind of up in the air. You, you read, you know, a news article from CNBC and they say one thing and then you read something from, uh, what was it, like the, the South China news. And, it, you know, it's like <laughs> the Chinese are digging in with their heels. They're, Trump's going to lose. And then it's like, you know, we're going to destroy the Chinese. It's like this, all this uh, crazy rhetoric going on right now. And it, it's going to be nice to kind of get some actual like data and things like that on, uh, on what's going on. So, um, cool. Let's, uh, let's get started. Um, uh, so let, let's start with the, the base of the base, um, Michael, which is, um, our, uh, what, what are tariffs? Give us, give us kind of a background on tariffs, uh, you know, what they are, what, you know, uh, just the generalities. Sure. Uh, they are duties and taxes. Uh, the simplest term uh, for them is it's just a federal tax. And it's uh, specific to uh, imported items and sometimes exported items. Yeah. More taxes, right? Just what we need. Right. <laughs> what are, uh, are, are tariffs the same as duties? They are. Okay. Yeah. Just a, just a, a different, uh, different terminology. Um, so, uh, can you avoid uh, tariffs by shipping DDP? No, it just, it, it, what happens is the supplier, the foreign shipper pays for those. So those costs get baked back into the sellable or price paid or payable to the importer. So, so you're, not, you're not necessarily paying them and knowing what, what they are as a line item, but you're paying for them just back to the supplier or shipper. Gotcha. So that's more of kind of like an all-inclusive type uh, setup, correct? Where yeah, it's a, yeah. Go ahead, Evan. go ahead. 
Uh, no, I was going to say, actually, if you could go over the different types of, of shipping, I think like maybe like some basics would be really helpful for um, either people who haven't started out on Amazon yet or have kind of started out and all this terminology is kind of, you know, complex. Like, I mean, I understand most of it, but even for me, it's still, there's still like a lot of intricacies and not my expertise. I would say as an Amazon seller, this is probably one of my weakest <laughs> things. So I'm, I, like I said, I'm excited to, to learn more. So if you can kind of go back to uh, a little bit of the basics, that would be awesome. You yeah, sure. Uh, I think all your listeners, uh, if you were to simply go into a search engine and look up INCO terms, I-N-C-O-T-E-R-M-S, uh, it would give you, uh, I think there's probably 12 different types of agreed upon terms. And really all of this is, is you're going to a supplier and you're asking them, hey, I want to buy, you know, uh, commodity ABC, what's the cost? And they're going to say, well, how do you want it delivered? Meaning, do you want to pick it up at my door? Do you want pick it up at the port? Do you want, you want it delivered to your door? So I'll, I'll, I'll start with the three easiest Inco terms. Uh, most uh, used, uh, the DDP is, I would not say most used, but it's very common. Uh, and that is basically it's uh, delivered duty paid DDP. That means that you're paying for the merchandise, freight, clearance, delivery to your door, duties included, right? Uh, usually what I try to do with our customers and coach them uh, on is FOB, that's free on board. And that means that your supplier, you're paying for the goods and then your supplier is delivering them to the port of export. So once those goods are delivered to the port of export, or another way to think of it is once it crosses the rail of the vessel, it's from that point forward, all fiscal responsibility is the importers. And uh, the reason that I, I suggest that is because you're not then getting uh, stuck into paying all of the origin fees. Those fees do get baked back into the end sale price, but you're, you're not getting them on maybe a marked up level. And that is this, when you ship uh, from say just anywhere in China, there are origin fees that, uh, are inclusive of getting it from the shipper's warehouse door to the port. And those fees are trucking, they're the warehouse fee, there's uh, export licenses, there's, uh, there's a litany of, of uh, there's a laundry list, maybe a five or six different fees. And if you allow the supplier to pay for those fees, he, he generally is gonna get them at a better deal than you will because it's gonna be in the Chinese market at Chinese prices. Whereas when you do, it's, it, that's referred to as EXW, X works from your shipper's door to your, your door where you're paying for everything from there to your door, it's EXW. And what I suggest is go with FOB. So you're, you're, you're cutting out those origin fees. It'll get baked back into your cost, but it'll be at a lower, a lower premium. Hopefully that made sense. Yeah, no, that, that's perfect. And actually, I was going to, to ask to do the three most common. So you read my mind there. Right. So, so perfect. Um, so you, you said uh, FOB is your suggestion. Um, if nobody's, you know, uh, if nobody's, if, if people have only so far done like, uh, you know, express shipments or small batches or things like that, um, you know, how would they get into, um, I mean, would they talk to you? Who would, who would they talk to in order to get more information on what would work best for their business? 
Yeah, you, you can send uh, an email to uh, imports, that's plural, at brownstoneintl, that's abbreviation international.com. And uh, what we suggest, whenever we get phone calls, we still steer those uh, potential clients into sending an email. And in that email, you would, you would uh, provide the shipper's address and then shipment details, meaning what is the commodity, what's the shipment size, the dimensions, and the weight. Because typically, you're going to ship uh, with a freight forwarder, uh, you know, at least a pallet, right? And then uh, from that, we can take that information and get you a cost uh, to the delivery site. So we'd also need your end delivery address. Uh, but uh, in, in, in that email, you can ask any questions you may have, and we'll simplify the process for you. And that's why we've always suggested emails. Yeah, and just to, to you know, back on that, I've been working with Brownstone for two years, and they really helped me as a new seller. So I didn't always have all of that information that Michael mentioned. Uh, yeah, you need this and this and this. And so I would sometimes just reach out to them and go, okay, I think I'm ready with this supplier. I think I'm ready to go. And they would say, okay, well, we'll reach out to your supplier for you. And so they would reach out to my supplier in China for me. They have contacts in China. We actually met some of their contacts in China um, while we were there. It was a wonderful experience. But uh, they reached out to my supplier for me and um, and it was just like, oh, well, your shipment's ready to go and here's your breakdown of costs and, you know, here's your options and all of that. So even today I emailed and asked because I'm thinking of a new product and it's made of plywood. And I know that on some products like wood and metal, there's extra duties on those products and I don't want to pay extra duties. So, um, I emailed and said, Hey, uh, I want to import this type of product is there like some extra charges on that? And within 24 hours, they get back to me and say, hey, nope, you know, that's, it, it is or it isn't, or this is what, what it, and today Michael emailed me back and I was like, uh, can you explain that in like Amy terms? <laughs> and he was able to kind of break it down for me a little bit better. So just encouraging those of you who, even if you don't have all of the information, don't be afraid to reach out because they're very helpful and, and just helping you get your stuff wherever it needs to go and giving you the options for doing so. Yeah. Well, thank you, Amy. So, um, Michael, uh, another quick question here is, um, how much of the uh, tariffs does the supplier pay? Uh, I not, think that's, that's a good, that's a lot of confusion there. Yeah, no, I, I mean, the supplier isn't going to pay any on, uh, the imported goods unless, you know, the terms are DDP, but, in that, in that instance, just think of it as a pass-through, right? They're paying on your behalf because the, the, mechanically the way it would work is the shipment would get here, we would still do all the functions, customs clearance, arrange delivery, all that good stuff. And then we would just, instead of invoicing the importer, we'd turn around and invoice the supplier. But that supplier had already probably invoiced the importer, right? Because typically suppliers will not release goods until they've been paid by the Right. Cool. Okay. Fantastic. Um, so I know that uh, a lot of uh, kind of a, a little gray hat trick that a lot of people will do is they'll, uh, a lot of times the Chinese supplier actually will suggest this is to, um, you know, charge, uh, you know, write less than, than $800 value on the invoice uh, for the shipment coming in um, to, uh, you know, 
to, to avoid tariffs. Uh, is that something you've heard of? And, and is that something you suggest? Um, yeah, it, it's, it's something you, you've got to be uh, aware of and leery of, right? Um, whenever you're um, importing goods, uh, you want to be above reproach, above water uh, with customs. Uh, there are penalties uh, that could be uh, levied against you if you were ever found to be fraudulent. So what, what you want to do is just, just be honest, you know, and um, it's the best policy. Have a good, a good broker, a good forwarder. Uh, a lot of times uh, your Chinese supplier will also try to sell to you inclusive of freight. I always say avoid that. And the reason being is you're only getting a part of the picture. They're going to tell you, here's, here's the cost of the goods, here's the cost of the freight, and you'll be like, oh, that's great, and you're expecting it to show up at your door, and it doesn't work that way. It arrives in the U.S., and then you find out, oh, my goodness, I've got another five to six to $700 in U.S. destination fees. So that's why you want to work with a U.S. freight forwarder so that you can go to them, uh, like the uh, like Amy suggested, like I, I uh, showed his uh, – an example, sending an email, giving us all the information, we can get you a, an all-in quote to your door that, that helps you avoid any sticker shock and actually gets you landed cost prices. So you're dealing with black and white. I mean, there's always, there's always some gray area in there. If customs examines the shipment, there'll be extra charges, but we, we, you know, we warn you of that as well. But uh, really what you wanna do is just uh, be, be sure that whatever you're showing to customs is accurate and uh, they, they, get, they have a way of, of, they have a long arm. They can always come back and audit you and you don't want that to happen. And I'm sure if some, if, if let's say you have a, <laughs> like half of a container load and you claim that it's $500 worth of goods, I mean, customs isn't stupid. If it's right. like clearly more than that, they know you're, you're just, that's a red flag for being inspected. So while you might be able to shave a little bit off the top of your cost or whatever, and you might be able to make up for some of your costs while working with your supplier, uh, you definitely don't want to like, Hey, it's only $2 worth of goods here. You know, it's, that's going to be pretty obvious to custom and I'm sure that they're going to be on the lookout for those kind of things right now because of you know of increased tariffs yes it, it, it's uh you know they're savvy right I mean they they know what they're looking for and that's another reason you know you can go the the uh you uh, I think mentioned the $800 or less shipments which are called section 321s they used to be at 200 bucks and now they've raised it to 800 and I believe that's really related to e-commerce you can go down that road uh, but again customs is is watching uh, that very carefully because they understand that you're you're avoiding duties taxes by that dollar amount and one of the things to keep in mind is if you say, okay, I'm going to try to circumvent this uh, duty tax issue by doing these low value shipments, you're going to end up paying a lot more in freight by doing that. And you're still going to have to uh, clear it through customs. And so there's still going to be fees there. So you're not getting away from necessarily as much as maybe you think you might. It depends on, you know, what, what, where your niche, your niche is, on, on uh, you know, international logistics, but uh, you, you typically you're not seeing a lot of uh, importers go at the $800 earmark. 
Yeah, absolutely. I feel like, uh, Amy, you hit the, head, uh, the nail on the head. I think that, um, you know, with the way it is now, I think that they're cracking, you know, they're, they're going to pay much closer attention because they, they probably figure that that kind of stuff is, um, you know, that <laughs> people are going to try to slide under with that trick a lot more right now. Um, the other thing you, you have to realize, and, and I've actually noticed this um, with my own suppliers, is that, um, you know, I see that suggestion less and less right now. And I think it's because in China, there's such a sense of nationalism there that they don't want to, to make the, the U.S. companies, um, you know, off the hook in the sense that, uh, you know, they, they want a, us to feel the pain um, on those tariffs, uh, you know, you know, directly. So um, I think that might be an, another reason why, you know, the suppliers might not be suggesting uh, that as much right now. Um, okay. Are we good? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's see here. If you change your ATS, if you change your ATS code, can you avoid tariffs? Uh, that's probably HTS code. Yes. I would, I would assume, which is the harmonized tariff schedule. Uh, well, I mean, sure. I mean, you can. It's called tariff shopping, right? And uh, customs looks for that. So again, what you want to want to be is above board, above approach. Uh, if uh, you know you're bringing in barbecue grills from from China, you, you don't want to classify them as footwear to get a better rate, right? So you 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 need to follow the rules with regards to the general rules of interpretation, which, which is directly related to how you classify items. And again, that's why you want a customs broker giving you these tariff codes. You don't want the supplier to give it to you. Generally, they're, they're working with the HTS, but up to the eighth number, which is you know, universally accepted, but not always accurate. So, Got uh, it. And that's why the HTS code that I sent you today from the supplier you sent back, I think you're referring to this HTS code, which is this. Yeah. And so that gave me a more accurate representation. Now, what if I change the material? So for example, the product that I sent you today was plywood, which was, um, had increased duties on it, 25%. And what if I had that same product made out of bamboo? material it, it may shift it in the tariff right but uh, a lot of times you may have a product that comes in and it has as you state it's made of plywood but that product is actually you know it's a frame right like a picture frame okay so you're actually more looking for the essential character you know, you're not necessarily going in and classifying it in chapter 44, which is, you know, products of wood. You're, you're classifying it more into a chapter that is more akin to its kind or description. So, so there may be a shift, but really what you're, you're looking at is, and, and again, another, you know, your, your broker should do uh, a deep dive for you on, on some of these commodities. And, and Amy, on that particular one, I didn't do a deep dive. I, I took the, the number you gave. I saw that it had, that number was from a previous year's uh, harmonized tariffs schedule. And I found the new updated one. But, you know, I, 
I would, I would, I would say before on that particular product, before you make a decision one way or the other, let's do a little bit deeper dive and make sure that we actually have the right chapter. Because okay. The tariff is built up on, you know, 99 chapters. And so for example, if I'm importing something like a, uh, like metal, often it has increased duties, right? Like steel and things like that. But some metal, some like things that are made of stainless steel does not such as uh, pots or pans or housewares. Then right. It falls under a different category. So just because it's made of metal, I shouldn't assume that I'm going to be paying increased duties on that good. It is, I always want to check with my customs broker to make sure that I'm classifying it properly and that I'm understanding the fees that I could potentially be paying or not paying. Yes, you are correct. And then I, I would like to add one caveat to when you go to a customs broker for an HTS code and subsequent tariff or duty that's attached to that HTS, remember this, that uh, that's not a binding ruling. It's, it's uh, a uh, professional opinion, but customs ultimately decides if that HTS is correct or not. And there's ways to fight that if they come back and disagree with you, but uh, just understand that um, without an actual binding ruling, which is where you take a, a product, a sample, you, you send it to customs uh, with a request for a binding ruling and they actually, headquarters comes back with, hey, this widget is classifiable at this and every U.S. port, customs port has to comply with that. You just know that you can get various opinions from various ports because, you know, that's what makes us human, right? We all, we all are wired a little bit different and have a different filter for how we see things. Right. So just to know that um, your customs broker is not the final decision authority, but they're hopefully if you're going with a pretty reputable customs broker, they're going to give you a very good professional opinion. Yes. and professional kind of based on their experience. So in most, most customs brokers come from a hard wiring of living in paranoia. So <laughs> generally going to cover their ass, right? Because they don't, they don't want to have a conversation after the fact with their importer that, Oh my goodness, you know, this was five. I told you it was 5% and it's actually 35%, right? Yeah. So they're generally going to do their best. You would hope. As as uh, ex federal employees, both Amy and I, we know exactly how that works. Right. <laughs> um, so so um, Michael, in a way, it sounds like a, a, a smart uh, importer would would do. Um, I'm going to call it material shopping. <laughs> in other words, you know, if your product has you know uh, you know uh, iron or what you know stainless steel or you know a different type of material. Uh, stainless steel would be kind of a, a hard one to, to um, change, but in, in the example of, of the, the plywood and the bamboo is a good one. Um, you should uh, really be looking at uh, maybe ways to uh, use alternative materials to uh, get a lower rate. Is there any easy way that, um, you know, that somebody, the average seller would be, I know you've got a lot of expertise. So for you, it'd probably be pretty easy to come up with those, but is there any other way that, um, you know, somebody who doesn't know a ton about this stuff would be able to, to, you know, try to figure that out? Well, there, there is, uh, so many commodities in the world, right. And so many in the uh, tariff that there's no easy answer for that, but there, I'll give you an example. Uh, there was, uh, one of our clients was bringing in, uh, um, 
basically cabinets for RVs, okay? But these were a soft shell cabinet. And uh, really what they looked like was an enormous duffel bag. And uh, one customs broker had told them that this should be classified as bags in chapter 42. And anything that generally has uh, any relation to a handbag, a backpack, a sporting bag, those duty rates stand alone by themselves are in the you know, high teens to 20, 22%. So they're heavy. Uh, when he came to me, I said, well, I, I disagree with that classification. I think actually what they are is, is a, a, a vehicle accessory, right? And so we got it from 22% down to 2%. So part of it is just understanding what the essential character is and how, how it, what the use and function is, right? And then on the backside for all of your, your uh, colleagues and importers there, just always get your landed cost. Know your total cost before you, you ship it. And if you're only talking to a supplier, you don't know all your costs. And that's, it is amazing to me how many times uh, we deal with importers who are uh, disappointed, angry, blaming us because there's these additional fees that they didn't come to us for in the first place, right? And by us, I mean freight forwarders or customs house brokers. But uh, it is, you know, it's always count the cost before you pull the trigger. We got some questions, uh, Michael, from uh, from from our live audience. Uh, one is, um, are you? Uh, does your company handle uh, air shipments as well? So express uh, shipments. Uh, we do. Uh, we we handle air, ocean, uh, truck. You know, any of these border crossings, Canada, Mexico, and we handle uh, entries in every U.S. port. We're a national broker. We may dome, may be domiciled in the Pacific Northwest. But we, we handle clearances everywhere in the U.S. and have for a very long time. Okay. Thanks for tuning in to part one of this episode. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at SellerRoundTable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, SellerSEO.com and AmazingAtHome.com.